say, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? But you're already up. And this will be the last time I ask you to stand today. Luke chapter 5. I don't know that I've ever done this in 20 years. Or Mark chapter 2. Take your pick. I'm going to be reading a compilation. Same story. A couple of different details. And what I've done is I've not added to or taken away from the word of God. But I've blended the stories together. So if you're missing a verse, it's because of the gospel that you're reading out of. But this story had some details. You have to remember in the Gospels when it's recording the same story, everything that's recorded happened, but not everything that happened was recorded. And one author, inspired of the Holy Spirit, remembered one detail and one another because they were written to different peoples with different emphasis. So this will be Luke 5, verse 17, and Mark chapter 2. I don't know how y'all going to do that on the screen because you've not seen my blended story, but here we go. And if you get confused, just stand there and look like you're not, and no one will know the difference. All right. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said unto him, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, Why do you reason this in your heart? Whether it's easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand, pick up your mat, and walk. But so that I can prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers, all the while glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they too glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. The Greek word for strange means this, contrary to expectation. We saw some things today that we did not expect to see. And one translation says, we've never seen anything like this before. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. This morning's message is a reminder to us, an invitation to us, But it also has a lot to do with my visiting pastor friend today. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a service sculpted as encouragement and uh, specifically for. And I think it's okay if you tell the person. I don't think you ought to be maneuvering to get around. But with the thought of the birth of their church, it just reminded me back the 20 years ago when I was starting from scratch. I just want to uh, encourage him on the foundational things that I know are already there and remind us who we are and what we're about. And this story tells that story. The phrase, the phrase, they all left, the the apathetic. 
the, the, the whole, the infirmed, the believers, the unbelievers. They left this gathering, this local gathering, and they said, we have seen things contrary to expectation today. I, they were amazed. One translation said they were amazed. And that's what I want to talk to you about. How churches experience bursts of God's glory. It's never manipulated. There's not a formula. But some places see it and others don't. The Bible said Jesus went into some towns and healed all who were sick. And healed all that were possessed of devils. And in another place, he just healed one or two people. And so I want to just kind of pastorally uh, remind us and then encourage my brother who's about to start this great work in this town called Christ, Cross Life Church. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I just humble myself before you, and I just want to state publicly that in and of myself, there's nothing that I can offer anyone of any eternal value outside of the work of grace in my heart, the power of your scripture, the truth of your scripture, and the power of your spirit. So I just make myself available this morning, Lord, to speak truth through me. Help me to say what you'd have me to say and withhold the things that maybe I thought up in my own spirit so that we might be edified and the church might be strengthened, and we may be about doing the master's work. For the night is far spent, and the day is at hand, and they're still not saved, O Lord. May we catch that vision and burden to be great evangelists for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. An old saint was asked one time what the anointing was. What's, what, what is the presence of the Lord? Like in a local church, what is it? Some of us were raised thinking if you screamed, that meant the Lord was there. Or if you had a spell, or if you were very reverent and bowed your head and lit a candle, that was the presence of the Lord. And this wise old man said, I can't really tell you what it is, but I can tell you what it ain't. I can tell you what it's not. Do you not know that we're living in the Laodicean church that's filled with moral ideals, good things. Filled with how to be a better dad, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to balance out the stresses, uh, seven steps to a new you and all of that, but no glory. Very little expressions of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of that, we're only offering band-aids. Don't forget the man at the pool of Bethesda. They had built porches for all the sick people to lay under. And there was comfort there. It kept the sun from blistering them. There was relief there. There was sympathy there. But there was no cure there. You are never cured in the porch of man's help. You are cured in the pool that God stirs with the hands of angels. You're cured by the hand of God. I just want to pull out a couple of things in this story to remind us to strengthen the things which remain so that we might see expressions of God's glory in this house. Don't think for a minute the Lord's impressed with us. We're either faithful or unfaithful. We're either good stewards or not good stewards. Nations are but a drop in the bucket to him. And churches come and churches go. But if we live humble... And we honor the Lord Jesus, we'll see his presence. We'll continue to see lives changed and healed and delivered naturally. Naturally. Automatically. Number one, I'm just going to say vibrant churches. 
happen where Jesus feels at home. If you're taking notes, vibrant churches happen. Or by churches, what I mean is local gathering of believers. They happen where Jesus feels at home. Mark 2, it said, word spread quickly that Jesus was back home. Now, I know what this meant in context. In context, it meant it was coming, he was coming back to the region where he grew up. But home is not just geography. Why was it that Jesus always went to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house when he was home? Why is it that the Lord visits some places and stays at other places? I've had unbelievers walk in this room. I've watched them walk in and step in the back and start crying. I go, you okay, buddy? He goes, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. No song, no lights, no fog machines, no nothing. Just walked in. And it was as if the Lord bypassed all of us and friendly. That's wonderful. I'm like Kelly. It's wonderful. I don't heal nobody. But if the Lord feels at home there, that means he, he's at ease. Have you ever went to visit someone and you walk in the house? Come on in. Come on in. You go to sit down. Oh, don't sit there. Oh, Lord. What? What? No, no. And you go to his. Oh, that's mama. Don't touch. Me. There's an urn. Oh, oh. And you done, done two of those. I ain't moving. I'm sitting right here. Would you like something to drink? No. No, I don't want nothing. I'm ready to get out of here. Why? You don't feel at home. But if you feel at home, it means you can go to the refrigerator and open it up. You know, and I, I can be at home with you, but if you haven't conquered hygiene, I'm not going to be at home either anyway. But different sermon, different sermon. What does it feel like in a church where God feels at home? We build churches we being pastors, denominations, around what people want. The issue is not, do we feel at home? It's, does God feel at home here? The issue is not, do we leave and we get, before we get to the car? I like today. That's irrelevant. I know that's a culture shift, paradigm shift, whatever you will. But this is not our house. This is the Lord's house. And I think you ought to feel at home in your own house. You ought to have peace in your own house. It ought to be your house. It's the Lord's house. If people come to membership class, it's happened now for 20-something years, they go, this is Assembly of God Church? I say, yeah. This is AG? Yeah. Well, you never told us. I said, you never asked. I'm not only not embarrassed of the Assemblies of God, I think they're the greatest evangelistic force on the face of the earth. Billy Graham said, I've traveled the globe and I've found two things in every tribe, nation, and dialect on the face of the earth. Coca-Cola and the Assemblies of God. They're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. But Jesus doesn't look for an Assembly of God sign outside. He looks for a place that looks like him. He looks for a place that sees what he sees, feels what he feels, and does what he does. Your home ought to look like you. Now, you guys, I'm going to take you from information to revelation. You ready? You ready? It's just about that far, but it's a world of difference. When you got married, you had all your pictures on your wall of you and your dog in the river. And you had old plastic cups where the QT had done worn off on it, but it was a big belly and the lid didn't fit and everything. And you got married and your wife goes, good, put all that in a box. Box is. What are we doing with it? Oh, we throwing this away. And you're thinking, you're real pretty. 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 
and you later learned what you liked. You didn't like this. You like this. And then when friends come over and you greet them, what does the wife say? Welcome to our home. So what does that mean? You know, happy wife, happy life. You know, just keep everybody happy. Good. And I'm using little illustrations to let you understand this, that if usually the man's love for his wife and babies is such that if they're at home, he's at home. If my wife is good and my children are good, I am good. We got a picture of a seashell on a thing. Hey, great. Do you like that? I like that. My wife likes that. I like that. If she don't like it, get rid of it. Why? Men, we want it to be home. And it's the wife that makes the house the home. Listen, you can have everything from your past in a place. You can have everything the denomination desires. You can have everything. If God don't feel at home, he's not staying. He's not staying. I'm getting to my notes. I don't, hold on. Jesus likes humility, reverence, honesty, faith, expectation, gratitude, receptive hearts. Weeping over what makes him sad. Dancing over what makes him happy. You remember the older brother when the prodigal came home and the father threw a party and killed the fatted calf and struck up the band and the older brother said, I'm not going. See, we vote with our attitude and our attendance. I'm not going. Well, why wouldn't you go? If you read the story, you'll figure out because it wasn't about him. I've been with you all these years. You never killed the fatted calf for me. And this son of yours comes home and he's spent all his resources on harlots and drinking and you do this great party for me, for him. You threw this great party. When have you ever done anything like this for me? My question is this. If you're the father's son and you know the father's heart, the father told him, he said, everything I have is yours. Oh, I see. You didn't dance because what made the father happy didn't make you happy. When the father's music plays, we ought to be dancing. When we see people coming to know Jesus, when we see people coming to faith and being healed, we shouldn't be trying to get the musician to play what we want. When the father's happy, we're happy. That's how God feels at home. And I know I may have read a lot into this line, but what I shared with you is the truth. If Jesus feels at home, he lives there. True worship. You remember when the woman washed his feet with her hair and her tears? Jesus said, you didn't even bring water out of a bucket. This woman gave me heart water. It come up from inside of her and she washed my feet with her tears and her hair. She took her glory and humbled herself and washed the filth off my feet. I don't care that we're in North Macon. I don't care that we have the sports town. I want the Lord to feel at home in this house. Him feel good about it. Heaven is a place of praise. This place ought to be a place of praise. God's used to praise. Ben does his very best. And I've, we've talked about this. I said, look, encourage, motivate, but don't you drive people to praise. Because if it's not in them, it's not coming out. And we don't want some hollow ring. And he gets you right. Come on, come on. It's like priming the pump. Come on, come on, come on. Heaven is filled with praise and gratitude. 
I can see it on people's face. I'll come up on the platform and they, is all that necessary? Yes! Yes, it's necessary. Yes! All he's done for us, yes! I don't like it. You're going to be nervous in heaven. You're going to be so nervous. Nervous. Because there's going to be single mamas beside you that had it not been for the Lord who was on their side. And they're going to be thanking him and blessing him. Oh, if you knew where he brought me from, you wouldn't ask me, is it, is it necessary? Bound by every form of addiction and perversion. Lost, depressed, diseased, discouraged, suicidal. And he rescued me. Is it necessary? Yes. Yes. Lord, help me. Number two. Got to go, got to go. Vibrant churches, glory-filled churches will have their share of scribes and Pharisees too. Oh, strap in, turbulent weather just ahead. Pastor, we don't have none, but other churches do, so I'm going to tell you about it. said some Pharisees and teachers of law were sitting nearby. Some scribes were sitting there holding a dialogue with themselves as they questioned in their hearts. Some people come to church just to watch, just to analyze, just to cast their vote of approval or disapproval. I like the first, second, and fourth song. I didn't like that announcement. Did you hear the speaker buzzing this morning? Yeah, we blew a module. It's okay. We've had technical difficulties. I, they can assess everything that happened in the service. They're scribes and Pharisees. They're always thinking about how you did something. They ain't worried about them doing anything, but just, they're hall monitors. You remember that person in grammar school that you just hate to this day? Write your name down. I still hate them. I got to pray. Because I was always cutting up and the teacher, they turn in the names and go, John. I'm like, boring. I stayed in trouble, but I had a good time, baby. And for those of you that are visiting on the seventh grade, on the last assembly, they give the paddle to the person that received the most licks. And Sandra Wood's son got honored with the paddle. John, would you come and get the paddle? My friends were like, John, John. Never for disrespect, just for having a good time, baby. That's all. Ain't nothing changed. Here's how you'll recognize Pharisees. They're nearby. It says they were sitting nearby. Close enough to see Jesus, but not close enough to know him. Sitting nearby. They're sitting, not standing, not working, not sharing life, not receiving life. Comfortable. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? They're talking, not worshiping, not grateful, not praying, just rehearsing their own ideas and prejudices, releasing their, relishing their own self-importance and loving the sound of their own voice. They're ever searching, full of questions, never able to come to the full knowledge of the truth. Teachers of the law, doctors of the Torah, telling people how they should live and unable to recognize the Son of God when he stood right in front of him. That's a Pharisee. That's a scribe. Minutia, focusing on the minutia. And here's the Lamb of God standing in front of him. Oh God, open our eyes that we might see past the bubble wrap of this world and see Jesus. See him in our church, see him in our home, see him in our marriages, in our mind, our body, our soul, our emotions, our expressions. Well, what do you do with Pharisees? Leave them alone. Don't bother them. 
My grandmother used to say, don't multiply words with a fool, baby. Somebody will walk by and not know who the fool is. That's not in no Bible, but that's good. (laughs) Pharisees love to debate. They love to show you how much they know. Did you know that most Pharisees could quote the entire Torah? The law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. By rote, just couldn't recognize Jesus when he was there. Don't correct these people. Don't debate them. Don't try to persuade them and don't draw attention to them. They have questions but no answers. They're always seeing something wrong, never seeing what is right. And they pay more attention to how something is done than why it's being done. They're blind leaders of the blind, clouds without water, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Let them be. Because when God's glory is revealed, it has a way of shutting up every scribe and Pharisee and their opinions are drowned out by the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your ministry, let the Lord's presence be your defense of all your ideas. Number three, vibrant, effective, healthy churches are centered around, surrendered to, and looking unto Jesus Christ the Lord. In this church gathering, Jesus was front and center. When they told me today that some of our speakers were blown, and y'all can tell our lights are going out on our (laughs) projectors. They're getting old. They're dying. It's like, am I losing my sight? Everything's fading out. You can cut it. Listen, you can cut it all off. I'm glad we have it. You can cut it all off and stand down here without a mic. If you put Jesus front and center, he will be glorified and the people will be well. The people will be whole. His persons, his, his person, his presence, not about him, him. The manifest presence of the Lord. It said that Jesus was preaching God's word to them. Comforting words, guiding words, convicting words, healing words. Words of invitation. Don't tell me how to grow a church. Tell me what Jesus says. Don't tell me how to have my best life now. Tell me what Jesus says. Don't tell me how to get to the next level or next dimension. Tell me about Jesus. Another dimension. The Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when he comes, we'll be like him. Next level, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. More about Jesus. More about Jesus. Tell me about the Lord. When people come in and they don't know if their wife's staying with them and their children are going crazy and the doctor said they're going to make, not make it, they don't need a porch or a Band-Aid or an opinion. And they sure don't need sympathy. They need Jesus. They need the power of Christ in their life. It says in Luke 5 that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Here's my question. Big crowd. God's power available. One person healed. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. So why weren't more healed? Because we have learned how to listen to songs and sermons about him without ever meeting him and without ever touching him. When you get a glimpse of who he is, you'll call on him in a minute. You don't care if it's in order. I don't mean the person that tries to take over service and be dramatic. I mean the person that needs the Lord. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. 
I know there's not a video store in heaven, but I hope they got this one on Netflix or something, DVD or something. So here this man is born blind, and he hears that Jesus is in town. In town. Which way do you turn? He can't see. He just he hears somebody goes, Jesus is here. He starts screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, be quiet. You be quiet. You're not blind. Jesus, have mercy on me. Stop letting people tell you how much of the Lord you can have in your life. This ain't about you. Jesus brought him and said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want you to do what they say can't be done. Oh, man. Open my eyes. And he goes, all right. Isn't that powerful? So if the Lord was there, the crowd was there, what was missing? Expectancy. We can come every Sunday and clock in at 10 o'clock sharp and leave at 12 o'clock dull and nothing happened. But if you just open your eyes in the spirit realm and say, every time I walk into this house that's dedicated to his name, the Lord's powerful, God's power is present to help me, to heal me, to strengthen me, to encourage me. Vibrant churches, preacher, will inevitably be filled with people. And soon the house where Jesus was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. When God adds daily to the church, he does it according to his will. You don't get to pick who comes. Churches change. People say, this church is changing. Yeah, we added people. When you add anything to your recipe, it changes the taste of it. This ain't like it was when it started. We had 11 Y'all remember Tang? You young people don't know what Tang is. Tang and Yoo-Hoo. Biggest lies ever was in the world. Tang don't have no orange in it, and Yoo-Hoo don't have no chocolate in it. I promise you, Yoo-Hoo don't have no chocolate in it. They dip it out the oak mogi straight out and put a lid on it is what they do. That's Yoo-Hoo. Yes, they do. Don't try. Some young person, what's Yoo-Hoo? Go try you one. Warm. Tastes like hobo bath water is what it tastes like. Okay, where where was? Okay, I know where it was. Okay. Anybody else beside me grew up true poor, like po, couldn't afford an R. You remember Tang? And you'd go to school and it'd be half empty and you come back it'd be full again. But a little less orange. Just a, not quite as. I, I told my mama one time I got more whippings for being smart than anything else. I said, Mama, why you keep adding water to this? We, we got to stretch things. We got to make it last. I said, Mama, this ain't tang. This is tuh. Ain't even got a ang in it. Don't have nothing. <laughs> this tuh. You know when churches die? Watch. When they tell Jesus, stop adding people to it. Because it's changing. It's ch- we're adding those kind we're adding that socioeconomic bracket. We're, we're, when we moved over here, they told me, what y'all doing on this side of town? Living? I wanted to change our answer machine to the Jeffersons, moving on up. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, Pastor, when the people start coming, you're going to remember you, the handful you started with and all your dreams and everything, but it's going to look different because every time you add somebody, it changes the look 
But here's, the, here's, here's how it works. So if it changes, if we're not like we were four years ago, five years ago, if we move, whatever, it ain't my church. And the Lord added daily to them those that should be saved. I don't want a Pentecostal church. Well, I am Pentecostal to my toes. I don't want a word church. I don't want a North Macon church. I don't want a white church. I don't want a rich church. I don't want a poor church. I don't want a church that dresses down. I don't want a church that dresses up. I want his church, his church. Whoever he adds, I'm good with it. The more people you add, the more difficult it is to keep the DNA pure, though. The focus clear and the direction straight. Any of you got jobs of management where you have to manage people? For those of you that are the managed, let me tell you about those of us that have to manage people. Man, man, not manage, manage people. Pastoring a church, and I group myself with you. I'm a sheep just like you. But managing a church, leading a church, is like herding cats with a dog whistle in the rain at night with your favorite dog on a leash beside you. <laughs> Pastor, it's, it's hard to do, but it, the Lord equips and graces us. Let me tell you how it works with an imperfect pastor and imperfect people. We just want to please the Lord. We just want people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we want to encourage one another until we see the great day of the return of the Lord and we want to keep it all together here. You have to, you have to fight because every time you add will come in some foreign belief contrary to Scripture and good people will bring in erroneous ideas. we got to stand and preach the Word and be instant in season and out of season. Be careful when you go to work that the people that is added from the world doesn't dilute your faith. Make sure that you keep it pure. Crowds will come. But not every full church means Jesus is there. But where Jesus is, you'll find a full church. If the Lord is here, sick people hear when there's a cure. It's like a gravitational pull. It comes. Many people don't like a growing church because they don't feel important enough in it. It's just too big. I just got lost in it. So what does that mean? Break that down for me. Too big. Too big. Oh, everybody don't know your name. Oh, you're not. Oh, you might just get lost in serving. Ain't no bricks with my name on it in this building and the second person here that did it and Kelly's name on it. And if you give me $10,000, you get a big leaf on the tree. And you give me $5,000, you get a leaf on the tree. I don't have time, but I'm going to tell you this story anyway. I was preaching in a church early on on the evangelistic field, and I walked in the door, and the first thing you saw was this tree. It's just, and they're not in Macon, so don't think I'm talking about it. It was just a tree. And all the big giving people had big leaves, and the little big people had little big leaves. So which reminded, right when you walked in the door, the poor person was made conscious of their poverty right out the gate. But that's a different sermon. So you walked in, and I'm like, great day. And the fellowship hall was dedicated to a man, and he had a picture, and this guy had a picture. And I was noticing one guy's picture a lot, names a lot. And so I was just cutting up, trying to break the ice, you know. I was like, hey, good morning. Glad to be with y'all. We'll be here Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, I just, there's just people's names all over this building. You know what I'd do if I was pastoring? And I was trying to be funny. 
And Kelly says, sometimes you don't realize you're not as subtle as you think you are. I think I'm just easing it in. And Kelly goes, no, you're an idiot. That's not, no, no, no. I said, I'd get a, just a table. I'd set up a table in the foyer right here and just get a pad and paper and say, how much do we owe you? And just write their name down and write them a check and get to the very last one of y'all, the big leaf people and everything and said, okay, everybody paid off? Jesus can have the church back. Oh, no. Crickets. And I was like, you know, like, y'all own the church. And I could tell immediately that they wanted to be big in a small story instead of getting lost in the story of the ages. I just want to be part of his kingdom. His kingdom. My name don't have to be on a sign outside. It's in the Lamb's book of life. And he knows me. He knows me. Vibrant churches care more about others than they do themselves. It says, while Jesus was preaching, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. So everybody else knew about the teaching. They were there standing, sitting, reclining outside, listening to teaching. And four men come carrying this guy. No SUV. No mention of a donkey or a burrow. They probably had his bed on some poles or like a big drape. And he was hanging in, so they carried him. For you to arrive at a destination means you had to, have to have left from a previous destination. So I'm going to bring it to closer terms. So their Sunday morning involved not a breakfast they would enjoy. It involved going to get someone, paying whatever it was necessary, the cost, the time, the sacrifice, to get them there. Look at this. People, the, like these four people, these four men, Understand that we are not keepers of the corral, but we are to be fishers of men. We're not called to be keepers of the corral, but fishers of men. People who realize when God said, go into the world and preach the gospel, he was talking to us. People who invest their life in other people instead of spending it upon themselves. Four people whose day of worship had nothing to do with what they needed, but how they could meet the need of someone else through Jesus Christ the Lord. Four men crowd of spectators. Four men, active, crowd of spectators. It's like going to a football game. I'll use Georgia because we're in Georgia. That's all. Can you imagine the Bulldogs going the field between the hedges? Quarterback gets out there. The game's about to start. And he goes, okay, strong right, uh, flanker Z out, uh, wide out post, seam on one, ready, break. And then they walked off the field. People in the stands that paid $150 for the ticket. Hey! Hey, what are you doing? Well, oh, that was it. No, man, that wasn't the game. That was the huddle. This is the huddle. This isn't the game. This isn't the game. Where you work is the game. Out there is the game. Our friends, our family, they're lost. They don't know Christ. But we come together, draw up plans, ask God to fill us with his spirit, and we go into the world and reach them with the message of Jesus Christ. I, had, I deserved a better response right there. That's gospel. That's gospel. Your pastor used to be a card player, a good one. And when I wasn't good, I cheated, so I'd win anyway. I did. 
I remember reading this one day and I felt the Lord whisper to me. I really did. Because the Lord's not carnal, but he knows how carnal we are. Here's what he said. Four of a kind beats full house every time. I went, I'd rather have four that are ministering to somebody that doesn't know me than everybody come together and talk about me. Bring me someone. Bring me someone. Bring me to someone. Let's do this thing. Reach out. Ben, if you would come please this morning. Vibrant churches are no stranger to miracles. Said they tried to get him to Jesus but couldn't because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof, broke off some tiles, and lowered him down on his mat right in front of Jesus. It's hard to get people to Jesus, but he's their only hope. It's hard to get them to Jesus without personal contact. And it's hard to get them to Jesus without costing you something. And to do the work of the church is hard. Having church services is not hard. We play the music people like. You preach in a way they like, people come. But doing ministry is hard. It's hard to get them to Jesus when they don't want to come. It's hard to get a cure to the person that won't admit he's sick. And pastor, there are obstacles at every turn in ministry. So I love what these four guys did. They said, tear it up. What? Tear up the current structure. This ain't, I can't get him there. Well, it'll interrupt the service. What service? What Jesus is teaching. To found people. Tear it up. Because they knew that the only appreciable asset in the world were people. We can fix a roof. But I can't fix that person in hell. That's why those of you that took the journey with me at Second Baptist and we went to three services and the kids' room and it, our church looked like Beirut on the inside. We had 150 kids. It was damaged, windows getting knocked out. And we all want to be good stewards, but we said, you know what? We can fix a window. And now all those kids are grown and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in their colleges and everywhere else. Tear it up. Buildings don't matter. Prove it to you. On the day of reckoning, when God's done, after the millennial reign, he's going to destroy everything by fire. Sports town, gone. First Baptist, gone. Bethel Church, gone, 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 gone. But the people, redeemed, purchased, they'll be there. This guy on the mat will be there, which brings me to my conclusion. Vibrant churches are eyewitnesses to the glory of God. When our service is done today, this is more broad appeal, but when our services are done, if you need individual prayer, people from our altar team will be spread out across this altar, very non-offensive, not, nobody forcing you. They'll just sit with you. Hey, how can I pray for you? If you want to take advantage of that, you can. So picture this. Get the visual with me. Jesus is talking. Ministry is going on. But priority was the one. Nothing wrong with what was going on in the house. But it was the smallest thing Jesus wanted to do. There was power there. If you want words, he'll give you words. If you want power, he'll give you power. If you want healing, he'll meet your need. So all of a sudden you hear this. <laughs> Greenery falling in. Uh, clay roof falling in. 
people were like, whoever owned the house was probably, hey! Jesus never rebuked him, did he? Okay. So here's this man lowered. Don't think about the man. Think of the four people. Easy, easy, left side. All the way down. And the Bible said that Jesus, seeing their faith, spoke to the man. Look in your Bible. Seeing their faith. Here they are, covered in dust, sweat, tired from the long walk, I'm sure. He said, oh, you've got the heart of my father. Watch this. Your sins are forgiven you. And then he perceived the thoughts of the people around him. He goes, why do you perceive whether it was easy for me to say this man's sins are forgiven him or not? To show you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? Watch this. Get up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, the man jumped up. When he got there, his back was on his bed. When he left, his bed was on his back. And he ran out of the church glorifying God. And everybody goes, when they left, watch. We have seen contrary things to our expectation today. They were amazed. What did the four men say on their way home? It happened just like we thought it was. Just like we thought it was. Pastor, may your church, may our church, not lose ourselves in ourselves. May we invest our life in other people instead of spending it upon ourselves. May this place, when we bring the babies in by the hundred, when we give up our Sundays and when we teach and preach, may we be like the four. God will never do it for you. He'll never do it for you. He will never make you be one of the four. Because it's thankless. I mean, the guy was grateful, but the congregation didn't say anything. You ever felt like this as I tie this? Have you ever felt like this? Lord, use me. Just use me for your glory. Use me. And then about six months later, you go, I feel so used. (laughs) I just feel so used today. There's a day coming, Mike. He's going to call our name one by one. And every gesture to the minutia of a cup of cold water, he's going to say, there's a reward for that. There's a reward for that. There's no reward for sitting. There's no reward for listening and even learning. We're called to do that. But there's a reward for winning people to Jesus. May God light a fire in us again that once burned so bright. There's no reason to come alone every Sunday. I know what it's like to invite them 309 times. I know. And they lie and I'm coming and don't come. I know. But if you're not trying, when's the last time you caught a fish without your pole being in the water? Would you just bow your heads with me, my family? With no one looking around. Is there one here today? I'm fishing for you. John, I don't know about my eternal destination. I I don't know. But I've heard the gospel before. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. 
And I confess him today as Lord and Savior. And I surrender my life to him. I'm not just saying it. I'm asking the Lord to forgive me. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Is there anybody here? God bless you, sir. Sir, God sees you, both of you. God bless you. God bless you. Church family, would you stand with us? I want to do a visual, and I'm going to send you home. Thank you for letting me share with my pastor and his congregation that's starting. And thank you for the great support and respect you've always given me. It's a joy to a joy to pastor here. I, I just want, I want to give you a visual of this. How many of you in this room were born again? You come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through a track that you found no human influence. You just found a gospel track or pamphlet somewhere. Okay, none. Whether it was in a church or not, whether the pastor preached a good sermon or not, there is one person, whether a mom, a grandma, a dad, they had one-on-one -on -one contact, seed of the Word of God, carried you in prayer, believed for you, and saw you through. You're, it's, that, it's a person. Stick your hand up and hold it up. Okay. Hold it up for me. We can't come alone. We can't do this anymore. Just us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. May our glory be found not in how many we can get in the roof, but how many under the roof, how many new people we can see. Like, is this how you do it? This, okay. Hey. And watching them. New life, man. Someone asked me the other day, said, them three babies, are they killing you? I know what they were saying. And yeah, physically, yeah. <laughs> My home ain't dull. May God deliver us from the monotony of ourself and fill this place with children, brand new believers. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.